You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. I've begun a new series on uh, the teachings of Jesus. We've talked about the miracles of Jesus. We've talked about uh, the parables of Jesus. And now we're going to be talking about uh, some of his teachings. And we've been focusing on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Um, and so far we've looked at the Beatitudes of Jesus and how Jesus' definition of a blessed life is different than the world's definition of what a blessed life is meant to be. Uh, you know, we've taken a look at uh, the fact that Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the old covenant, but rather to complete it, which is why you see in these uh, ser- teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, he'll often refer to an Old Testament commandment or Old Covenant commandment, and then add a New Testament principle to it. Uh, we've talked about uh, dealing with anger and uh, the roots of our anger and why we say the things that we say. And we've talked about lust last week, which I'm sure was an uncomfortable conversation, kind of like talking about the birds and the bees with your dad, and it was in church. Don't worry, we wouldn't get into details, but uh, sometimes you're like, ah, do we have to talk about that here? And we talked about guarding our thought life and our thoughts and our, uh, what we take in and what comes out of our mouth as well. Because, you know, we need to be able to make sure that our heart is pure. Uh, This week I want to talk to you about making promises. And as Christians, we're people of promise. Amen? Much of our faith is based on God's promises in His Word. Jesus promises us heaven and eternal life if we put our faith in Him. We've put our hope in his words for our future. The Apostle Paul has emphasized that by faith we are even Abraham's spiritual descendants and heirs to all of the promises of God. So promises feature prominently in our faith. We've even found great comfort in the words and the promises of the Scriptures, whether it be in the Psalms or other portions of of the book uh, of Scripture that we find uh, encouraging to us. So we as Christians are people of promise because we stand on the promises of God's Word. But we have another responsibility as God's people. Not just to enjoy the promises of God, not just to invoke the promises of God or to declare the promises of God, but to be people that keeps our promise as well. There's something to be said for integrity in the way that we live and the way we conduct ourselves. Jesus deals with the subject of making promises to God and others in Matthew chapter 5. Now we're going to be looking at verses 33 37. I encourage you to turn there in your Bible if you have one. Uh, you know, I remember the days growing up where, remember you had the Bible and you brought it to church and you had all the bulletins in there from every, like, last 20 years worth of bulletins and sermon notes and you'd highlight things in there and, and you would write things in there and, and uh, God forbid you should actually drop that thing on the way to the bathroom because every bulletin and piece of paper came out of that thing every which way and so we don't have those today and so we use our ass we use our, our phones and that's okay but I would encourage you to just make sure that you're taking some kind of notes somewhere uh, me personally I like the notes app um, on my iPhone I just kind of write those things down as, as I'm inspired by others uh, teachings so that you can look at them later um, highlight 
passage of Scripture, too. I used to like putting the date next to them, too, as well, and just a word about what I was going through. And so that when I would flip back through my Bible later, I would see, like, you know, that really spoke to me on this date when I was going through this thing, and it can be really inspirational and powerful. But let's look at Matthew 5 together. Verse 33, Jesus says, Again, you've heard that it is said from those of old, you shall not swear falsely. Underline the word falsely. But you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But rather, let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Now, it's interesting, too, because Jesus speaks on the subject of making promises or oaths. Now, oaths were a regular part of ancient culture. When a person made an oath in ancient times, it was considered binding. So they might use it in a contract or an agreement between two people or a political treaty. And they would invoke the name of God or the gods to serve as the guarantors or the guarantors of the oath, ensuring that the person would keep the terms of the oath and to keep the oath carried blessings and to break the oath or treaty meant that there would be punishment or cursing, according to Tyndale's Bible commentary. You may have heard the expression, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely if I do not, and then they would say the thing that they were going to do. They were a way of saying, if you or I do not keep these vows that we have made, then may God hold us responsible for this. Now you can see what the problem would be is if you invoke an oath and you call God's name into it, what you're saying now is that you are now responsible not only to the other person, but you're responsible to God. The practice of oaths was something that was done under the Old Covenant. They were vows that were made to the Lord, and one was obligated to keep them. In fact, there were commitments that were made to the Lord. If done publicly, if you made an oath publicly, you were meant to keep it publicly. And so there were things that people would promise to the Lord, whether they would renew their vows. So when uh, Joshua renews the Mosaic Covenant with the people before they go into the promised land, this would be an example of an oath that they say, yes, we recommit ourselves to the calling and the, and the commitment and the covenant that you've given to us. The psalmist even says the importance of keeping one's vows to the Lord. Psalm 116, 18, the psalmist writes, I will fulfill my vows before the Lord in the presence of the people. Now, oaths have changed in Jesus' day. Since that time, it had lost some of its meaning. The Pharisees would often make grand oaths that they had no intention of keeping. Perhaps you know people like this who like to promise big things, but you know based on their track history that they will never follow through on what they say. Maybe they're people that you loan money to. They said, I will pay you back, and you just know when you give it to them. You are never seeing that money again. <laughs> or a person that says, you know, uh, you know, you help them on a project, and they go, oh, I'll help you next time on a project. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know. You're probably not going to do that. So you kind of know that there are people that are going to promise big things but not follow through. The Pharisees were known for doing this. They were words that were meant to sound uh, boastful and fancy, but they were just 
for show. According to the Old Covenant, oaths that invoke the name of the Lord, Yahweh or Jehovah, were binding. If you made an oath and you say, by, by the Lord or by Yahweh or by Jehovah, that oath was binding upon you. But the Pharisees found creative ways to avoid using the Lord's name in an oath so they could get out of it. So uh, scholars and commentators tell us that instead of using the Lord's name when they would make an oath or promise, they would just promise by something else that sounded equally uh, impressive or grand. Jesus calls out some of these oaths that people would use, and he says, do not swear by heaven. So sometimes they say, well, I swear by heaven that I will meet you at this time tomorrow. He says, don't swear by heaven because that is God's throne. He says, don't swear by the earth because it is God's footstool. He says, don't swear by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king, not David, but it's the city of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't swear by your head or your life because you can't even control how old you get or change the color of your hair from black to gray, although you can change the color of your hair from gray to black, and there are boxes for that sort of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, we can't control this. So, like, he's saying, like, these things belong to the Lord. So even if you think that you're saying them and they, you can kind of get out of them, you are swearing by things that don't belong to you, you have no control over, and they are God's. So, in, in fact, you are invoking him when you swear these things. Some modern-day examples of this might be, well, I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear on a stack of Bibles, or I swear on my life, or if I don't do it, I swear I will wash your car for a year, or give up bacon, or wear a Yankees jersey for the entire season. Uh, you know, Mary Moglin's here, and I went over Mary and Doug's house on Tuesday for the All-Star game, and I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I'm sorry if you're from Connecticut and you believe otherwise. But uh, <laughs> so my good friend Doug Moglin, he hands me a drink in a Yankees tumbler, might I say. And I said, how dare you, sir? And he goes, I did it on purpose. And I said, so we have a good, we have fun picking on each other for being fans of two different teams. But, you know, sometimes people will do that. They'll say, well, it, they add something, say, you know, I swear by this or I swear by that that I'll do it. And one shouldn't have to add these qualifiers to a promise. Your character should be enough to determine whether or not you'll do it. By your character, you're known. So if you have someone who's known, a known exaggerator or someone who fails to keep their promises, you, know, you tend to know, I'm not going to listen to that person. Even though they, they promise something, they probably won't follow through. So your character speaks more than the, the grand... Uh, things that you've attached to it. I'll say this as well as a parent, okay? Sometimes we don't like disappointing our children, especially when they're younger. Or sometimes you might say things just to quiet them down, okay? So like if you drive by McDonald's and you're not going to McDonald's today, you say, well, go to McDonald's tomorrow. You know they're not going, you're not going to McDonald's tomorrow. You're just telling them that so that they'll settle down. Or if they're in the, the grocery aisle, and of course they put all the candy in the checkout aisle so that it's just about eye level, so when your kids see it, they can grab the candy as they're going through the aisle and harass you for it, and you'll get no peace on the ride home. So you might tell them, we'll, we have that at home, and you don't. So like, don't promise things to your children that you can't deliver upon, because it will just lead to disappointment down the road.
your character should be enough to be able to make a promise on. God keeps his promises, so then keep yours. As people of promise, be one who keeps your promises. Further concerning oaths, uh, Barnes Note says this, Oaths have become so common in Jesus' day that people would apparently use these in everyday conversation. And because they didn't use God's name, they weren't binding, so they felt like they could get out of them. They sounded good to the ears, but they were something that they were saying flippantly and carelessly. But Jesus warns against using oaths in this way. He explains that these oaths are binding and God will hold them to you. Even though you weren't using God's name, you were swearing by things that belong to him. He encourages them not to make oaths. Now, a qualifier here. This does not mean that he is saying that you can't take an oath to testify in court. It doesn't mean that you can't take an oath of office. And it doesn't mean that you can't make promises to the Lord. Instead, he's saying do not make meaningless promises. He proposes a better way. Sometimes the Pharisees and the people would make oaths and vows with boastful words to seem more impressive. But Jesus said in verse 37, but simply let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Now, those are pretty strong words. He says, do not swear by anything that is not within your power to do. In other words, don't promise something you can't deliver upon. Don't promise outrageous things that you won't be able to follow through on. Instead, promise that which is within your ability and your power to do. Don't boast. Sometimes I say, well, you know, I'll do this, and we add things to it to make it sound more impressive than it is. Don't make grand promises. You know, others might be impressed by your words, but you know who is not impressed by them? God. God is only concerned with what you do, not with just what you say. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Jesus says, make your intentions known, and do them. Do what you can, and don't commit to what you can't do. Let me share some personal experience with you. You know, early on in my life in ministry, I had a hard time saying no to people. Because everybody likes to be liked. If you don't think so, you know, just, you're like, well, I don't care if people like me or not. But then you'll ask if people are asking about you if you weren't there somewhere. Okay, so if you're asking that question, you are asking, like, am I liked, am I thought of? And so we want to be remembered in some way. But in the effort of wanting to like pe people to be liked or to be accepted, sometimes people would want to, do something, they would want me to do something, or they want to get together, whether it's for coffee or lunch, or uh, get together to do something, and sometimes they would suggest a date, and I would, it would conflict with my schedule. I didn't have the time to do it. I didn't have the space to do it, but I would find a way to kind of force that into my schedule and make it work, even though it was going to make my life harder or more difficult or the day more stressful. Not thinking I could say something and say, well, how about Thursday instead of Wednesday? And most of the time people were like, yeah, sure, no problem. But I didn't think I could do that. I just thought like, well, they're offering, they're suggesting, and so I have to do what they want to do. And I would challenge you with that is that, you know, be able to self-advocate for yourself. Most people are pretty easygoing. If you can't do it 
this time. Do it on another occasion. Don't promise what you can't deliver upon. Sometimes I didn't have the heart to say, well, let's do this on a different day and a different time. And often bent over backwards to make things work. And then later on, I would just be so stressed out by what I did. Learn to say yes and no. There's power in being able to say yes and no. The power of our yes. Our yes can be powerful and motivational. When we give God our yes, it can be life-changing. When you accept Christ as Savior, you are giving Him your commitment and you're giving Him your life. And whenever you partner with the Lord, the course of your life will change forever. So when you choose to say yes to God, that's a powerful thing. I, I remember when I said yes to God at salvation and what an important and meaningful moment that was for me. That salvation wasn't just something like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that sounds good to me. I'll do that. But it changed me, changed my perspective, changed my life. When, when God called me and I said, yes, I didn't take that with kind of a grain of salt. I took that as like, this is a life change for me. I'm choosing to do something different than what I've got planned to do, and that's a bit of a change. To go from what you uh, were, your, the trajectory of, her, of your life was going in one direction, the career that you had in mind was going in one direction, and all of a sudden God says, hey, I've got this other idea. How about this? How about you serve me? How about you accept the calling I have for you, and here's what I want you to do. And to say yes to that is both exciting and frightening and exhilarating at the same time because it's an adventure when you say yes to the Lord because you don't know where it's all going to go. God doesn't always lay it out for you. Can I just share that with you? That if you're expecting God to like lay every little detail out for you in advance, it means that you still kind of want to control and kind of drive the car and where it's going, and you're not trusting that the Lord is going to direct things like well lord you got to explain it all to me let me put it to you this way do you explain to your children every little detail about what you're going to do especially when they're younger you know why they don't understand okay they don't get it like even if you explain to your teenager why you're taking their phone away or why they can't have it with you them when you go to visit family then they may not understand that no matter how eloquent you may be so sometimes people don't get and so we have to look at our relationship with God is that there are times that we are like children and he is like the father and he's not obligated to give us all the details he, we are only obligated to trust him and believe that he has what's best for us saying yes to God means that you're partnering with him for the work of his kingdom and it's an exciting thing to be part of but being able to say no is important too it's also important to understand the balance of your commitments. When we overcommit, we burden ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to disappoint someone, and you might say yes even if you don't have time for that commitment. Sometimes you have to say no. And hopefully you won't bring this up later on if I ask you to do something and say, well, you told me I could say no. <laughs> so... <laughs> Please listen to all the sermon and everything that kind of goes around with it instead of just the parts that you may like, well, he said no, so I'm not supposed to do it. Uh, what I'm saying is to learn to balance out things and have healthy boundaries for your life. It's the difference between doing a few things well and doing many things poorly or half-heartedly. 
Knowing what's on your plate will keep you from committing to something that you know that you won't be able to follow through on. So being able to know your nose, so to speak, will keep you from making promises you can't keep to others and promises you can't keep to your family and promises you can't keep to God. Know the difference between the two. Knowing what's on your plate will help you greatly. Know what you are called to do and commit yourself to that. So often we find ourselves filling a lot of different roles instead of what we are called to do by God. And we might find ourselves frustrated and unfulfilled. At the end of verse 37, Jesus says, whatever is more than this comes from the evil one. Now, that's a very interesting explanation that Jesus has here. In other words, these sorts of oaths and promises are basically idle and useless talk. Swearing by the things of heaven is foolishness if you don't intend to keep them because God will hold you to it. Only the enemy of your souls would inspire a person to be deceptive to get out of their commitments. Remember, that's what they said. Say, well, I swear by heaven, I swear by the temple and the gold in the temple, and they said, okay, I, if I swear by these things, I'm not swearing and invoking God's name, so if I break it, ah, it's no big deal. You know, only the evil one would, co- would convince you to make a commitment with the intention of breaking it, or convince you to, to com- promise others and God something when you have really no intention of doing those things. Instead, we must commit to what we're doing. Jesus was plain in his directions. Instead of promising great things, instead of swearing and making oaths, be direct in your attentions and faithful in your commitments. And you might say, well, aha, there's a loophole. See, I don't have to make promises or vows or oaths before the Lord anymore. Jesus said no more oaths, so I don't have to do that anymore, right? He he didn't say that. He said, do not swear by anything. He started by citing the old covenant command not to swear what? Falsely. He didn't say don't swear. He said don't swear falsely. Don't lie. Don't mislead or misrepresent what your intentions are. He was saying instead, don't swear by the things of heaven when you have no intention of keeping it or are looking for a way out of it. Do not swear at all. Instead, do what you say. The way of the kingdom of heaven is to make and keep promises to the Lord and each other. It's a powerful thing when you walk in such integrity that when people know that you promise something, they know because of your word being your bond that you will see it through. Even if it's unpleasant. Even if it's difficult. Even if it's uncomfortable. I remember talking to a friend of mine some years ago, and he was planning a church, and I said, you know, if you plan a church, I will help you with music because he was going to do it on a Saturday. And then it was like 45 minutes away from my house, the church that he was opening up. But I made a commitment, and I followed through with it until I was unable to do so because of my schedule. You follow what I'm saying? So sometimes when you make a promise to do something, and you start doing it, you're like, I don't like this. This is inconvenient. This takes up too much of my time. It's hot outside. I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. So you, you understand those are the, the kind of things that kind of come up. So we give ourselves a very easy out. Right, right? It doesn't take much for us to go, ah, I guess that didn't work out. And we kind of make very lame excuses when it comes to God, 
when it comes to church. Excuse me, hear me when I say this. You would never dare use that excuse with your boss. Am I right? Why? Because your boss controls your paycheck and your way of living and your job. But how awful is it that we have a better sense of commitment and obligation to our employer than we do to the one that's given us breath in our lungs and the ability to do the job that we've done? How awful is it that we have to try and be creative to find ways out of our commitment to our family or to our neighbors or to our church and the bar is set so low? I believe the Lord would challenge us to say, you know what? I answer to someone that's higher than my employer. I have someone that I'm working for that's greater and has a better position than the person I'm working for, and I'm more concerned with what he thinks of me than anybody else. So don't swear by anything that you don't intend to do. Being about the kingdom of heaven, the the new way of the kingdom of heaven is not making grand promises or making oaths or swearing by heaven and by earth. Instead, it's about keeping your promises, being a person of your word. If you mean to do it, do it. If you don't, can't or are unable to do so, then don't even say that you will. Don't swear if you have any intention or no intention of doing what you're going to say. Keep your commitments and do not back out of them. Being people of promise is about being people of our word. As people of God's word, be a person who keeps your word. Now understand your pastor is not asking you to promise to do something that I want you to do. All I'm asking you to do is to be a person that when you promise to do something, you see it through to its completion. Or if you're unable to do something, you're just honest about you being unable to do something. But can I challenge you that there are times where God will ask you to do something, and he may even prompt me to ask you to do something, not because you think you can, but because he thinks you can. And as with any kind of position in life, there are times where it's sink or swim. How many times have you ever been trained for a job, and you were, went into the orientation for that job, that for two weeks you, they were preparing you for a job. I remember I was working for customer service for Christian book distributors for a year, and the way that they had two weeks worth of training, you would have think that we were running like the missile silos for like the nuclear warhead department for the state. And I was like, I hope I don't mess anything up. Like, I, there's no way I'm going to possibly remember all of this. And you get out there and you go, oh, this, this is nothing. And sometimes we're like, I can't do that because X, Y, Z. I can't do that because I've never done that before. You know, there's a reason why God might be asking you to do it because you've never done it before. To help you to know that you can do it. And that you might actually be good at doing that. Being people of God's word means that we are to be people who keep our word. We love the promises of God and often remind God of his promises in our prayers But, oh my goodness, what if God reminded us of our own promises to him? What if he reminded us of our own promises to our church? What if he reminded us of our own promises to our family? What if he reminded us of the promises that we made to our neighbors? Would we be able to say that we've kept them? Ouch. Many of the blessings of the covenant promises in Scripture have to do with our obedience to God's word. His promise is contingent upon us fulfilling our promise to keep it. 
Be people who keep your word and your commitments to others and to the Lord. And when you do these things, you will be blessed. We love to quote Deuteronomy 28 and the blessings of the Lord. He says, but if you do these things, you'll be blessed. If you don't do them, you'll be cursed. We don't like the second part. Kind of like the first half of Hebrews 11. We don't read the second half of Hebrews 11 because that doesn't fit our theology. You know, it's because we don't recognize that sometimes things can get tough. But like if we do them, we'll be blessed. If we commit to them, we'll be blessed. If we don't, then we won't see God's blessing. Three final thoughts. Are you still with me? Three final thoughts in regards to promises. Number one, don't make casual commitments. They say, oh yeah, I'm going to do that, and then never follow through. Uh, one practice that's helped me out tremendously is as, as I talk to folks after service, they'll say, oh, you, we should get together for coffee, or we should get together to meet. And then there's times where, like, we say, oh yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Or you see a friend from high school or that you used to work with, and you say, we need to get together. You know one of the things that's going to be helpful for that? Sit down, pull out your phone, and suggest a day on the calendar. And then actually put it in there. And then text that person later. Say, are we still on for today? What you've done is you've not made a casual, yeah, yeah, something, we should do this. We're actually making a firm commitment. We shouldn't be careless with the things that we've promised or the things that we say. Let us be people that when we say something, we are carefully and thoughtfully making decisions about whether we should do it or not. Secondly, make courageous commitments. Some think it's just easier not to commit to anything, and then you don't have to disappoint anybody. They did a study on uh, the younger generation, the generation 18 to 35, and one of the frustrations for some of us older ministers and our older people are like, well, you know, that generation, they don't, they don't follow through on things. Do you know why the study showed? Because they don't want to disappoint anybody. Because the last thing they want is disappointment. They don't want to disappoint mom and dad. They don't want to disappoint others. So you know it's easy? You don't commit. You don't commit. You don't disappoint because you've never been, ever been nailed down on what you're supposed to do. You don't commit to anything, though. You don't accomplish anything. Don't gauge whether it's easy to do or to get out of when you agree to do it. Instead, make courageous commitments that when you are sensing God to lead you to do something, you do it. When you're asked to help out in some way. Don't look for an easy way out. Instead, be crazy. Say, like, I'm kind of scared by that. I got news for you. The call of God's kind of like that. It should scare you sometimes. It does scare you sometimes. Can I be honest with you that, like, when the opportunity came to be here in the church, there was a moment I was scared. It's like, can I do this? I know God called me to do it. But then it's like... I didn't question whether or not God could. I questioned whether or not I could. Because I didn't have much faith in myself. Some days I still don't. Because I know that I'm not great as far as my standards go. My wife and I talk about this often that, you know, our, we, have, we shoot high, but then like we realize we've overcommitted and then it's kind of like it's more towards the middle. Everybody says it's great, but it's our mediocre. Our mediocre somebody's great. Because why? We're just like, ah, oh, we want it to be way up here, but then it ends up like right here. People are like, that's fantastic. And it's like, that's not what we wanted it to be. So sometimes we have our own standards that we measure ourselves by that doesn't meet up to the standards that we want for ourselves. 
Can I challenge you to make courageous commitments and allow God to challenge you to rise in the occasion? Don't be quick to be like, you know what? I'm not making any commitments. You, I, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't, want, I don't want to, like, make a commitment because if I don't make a commitment, hey, you know what? I haven't really disappointed anybody or let anybody down. Just be willing to be courageous in making a commitment. Thirdly, be consistent in your commitments. Follow through with what you said you would do. Be a person of integrity. Most of the time, half the battle is just showing up. Really, you think about it. How many times have you gone to work and you didn't want to be there? But you never told anybody you didn't want to be there. You just did your job. So no one knows what's going on yet. Even when you came to church today, you might say, like, you know what? I didn't want to be here today. I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I didn't feel like going out in the hot sun. I know that when I step out of the door in a little bit here, there's going to be, like, a wall of heat when I step out of there. I got to go water my garden. I got to go swim in my pool. I got to get to my... And so, like, we think about all the other things. And maybe you didn't want to be here because, like, you didn't feel good about yourself. Maybe you you didn't want to be here because, you know, you didn't feel like getting out of bed or you didn't feel good today. But you know what? No one knows that. And all people see is that you're here. And that you actually ended up feeling good. That you, and, and you were grateful that you came here because God spoke to you or God touched you or God ministered to you and you were encouraged. Sometimes half the battle is just showing up. Just being there. And just being faithful to what God's called you to do, whatever that looks like. So just be faithful to what he's called you to do. There are things that are going to be difficult. There are days that where things don't go well. There are things that are going to be stressful, but that is not the time to give up. But rather, that's the time we recognize what he asked me to do was exciting and challenging and adventurous and hard because the medal and the trophies are given out for the hard stuff. They're not giving out for the easy things. You know, participation ribbon is not the kingdom of God. It's not. What did, what did Paul say? I strive for the crown of life. I run the race. I serve as a good soldier. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a degree of this where there's going to be a little difficulty. There's a degree in this where you're, when you're running, your legs might give out. Or you might feel a little nauseous. There's times where you're fighting a battle, like Bill was talking about, where you might feel like you're beaten down. But what do you do? You continue to stand and rise up and face the things that you're facing, recognizing that God called you. You're not supposed to do it all in your strength. You're supposed to do it in God's strength. So as I wrap this up, let me encourage you. Let your yes be yes. And your no be no. If you can't, Say that you can't. If you can, say that you can. But please don't say that you can if you can't. You're only disappointing others and you're disappointing yourself. Say, I, I, I blew it again. Don't. Give God your yes. Give the Lord your yes because it's adventurous. It's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. When you partner with the Holy Spirit and you do, what he's called you to do. There's something exciting about giving him your yes. No more 
promises. No more uh, promises of grand things. I'm going to go to the mission field, or I'm going to go do evangelism in the inner city, or I'm going to do this or that, and you've never done any of those things before. You're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure if you don't have a heart that's fully into it. Recognizing that once I've done it, once I've signed my name on that thing, once I've made that commitment, Lord, I told you yes, and I'm going to follow through with it. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to do it. Lord, you have my yes. Resolve in your heart today that no more empty promises before the Lord. No more grand promises or even when you speak to other people that you don't elaborate or boast upon things, but you very humbly say what you intend to do or what you don't intend to do. When the Lord calls, say yes. When he calls you to salvation, say yes. When the word challenges you to, to change the way you live, say, Lord, I say yes to that change. When the church needs volunteers, say yes. When there's an opportunity to serve your community, say yes. When God calls you to do the work of his kingdom, whether it's overseas or in your neighborhood, be willing to give God your yes. When we give God our yes, that's when the adventure begins. And that's when we start to see God do incredible things. If we're playing it safe, we'll never see the miracles God wants to do in us and through us. But when we say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do the way it needs to be done without cutting corners or taking the easy way out. When we do that, we will see God follow through. I can testify as a person that's been in ministry for a little while now. I'm not going to say again how many years. But when you are faithful to do what he's called you to do, he will show you along the way his favor, his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness time and time again. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God can? Are you willing to give him your yes? then let's close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment as the worship team comes. And let's pray. And I pray that today would be a new commitment to you. Not so much promising God things that you may or not follow through on. But today you would say, you know what? I'm going to be a person of integrity and that God, I'm going to be intentional about what I want, what you want me to do and doing it. I'm going to be a person that keeps their promises and follows through. But Lord, I don't want to uh, promise and boast great things, but never follow through on that. Instead, I just want my yes to be yes and my no to be no. That the Lord will help you to say yes to the things that he wants you to do and to say no to the things that are going to waste your time and your energy, that you would be understanding and faithful to know the difference. So are you ready to give the Lord your yes today? Then let's pray. So God, we just praise you. God, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. God, you went to the cross for us. You rose from the dead. You overcame the principalities and powers of hell. You alone did it. And Lord, you're asking us to partner with you. You're asking us, you're calling us to follow after you and that we would be people of integrity, that we would say what we mean and mean what we say and follow through on the things that we say we're going to do. I pray that you would raise us up to be people 
of promise. Raise us up to be people of your word that keeps their word, Lord. I pray that we would be people of covenant, Lord God, that when we obey your word, we would see the manifold blessings of God upon our lives. And when people say, well, why is your life so blessed? We can tell them it's because we honor the Lord and we do what he says. And we commit ourselves fully to that without empty promises. Lord, steer us away from boastful words and empty promises. But Lord, I pray today, help us to weigh thing, everything out with prayer and wisdom and consideration that our yes would be yes and our no would be no. That each thing that we decide to do will be carefully thought of with wisdom and spirit-led guidance. So Lord, lead us to follow after you to a greater degree. I pray, Lord, as we look at the world around us and the days becoming short, Lord, help us to be all the more devoted to you and doing the kingdom work in this hour that we are in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.